Um, but so for the writing process now, um, and early on when I started, I think I just started small. And I think for anyone who feels overwhelmed by writing their own music or not sure where to start, there's nowhere to start. I mean, every time, even now, I've written quite a bit of music now, but I feel mm -hmm. like every time I start, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Taking Ground, the saxophone podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Ryan, and today's guest is a Juno Award-winning jazz saxophonist, composer, and arranger. She was born to a Chinese father and a Jewish mother and raised in the multicultural metropolis of Toronto. She earned her first Juno nomination for her debut album, The Sky Was Pale Blue, Then Grey, in 2013. And in 2016, she seized the Juno for Best Jazz Album of the Year in the group category, her album Forest Grove. In 2019, she garnered another Juno nomination for Best Jazz Album of the Year group for Wonder Wonder. And she continues to create genre-defying music that weaves a mosaic of influences into a concoction steeped in the jazz tradition, but skillfully laced with elements of classical, pop, R&B, hip-hop, Latin, and world music. Welcome to the podcast today. Alison O, how are you doing? Thank you, Jesse. So glad to be here. And thanks so much for including me in the series. I'm really, really happy to, to have you on. When I moved to Toronto about eight years ago now, actually this coming Sunday, it would be officially eight years since I've been living wow. um, in Toronto. I quickly became aware of, of you and, and your work and really, really fell in love with your playing and your writing. Oh, cheers. Thank and you. And just like the song that you were able to carve out for yourself and your and your and your band so it's a pleasure to have you here um let's begin at the very beginning how did you begin playing the saxophone well it was a bit of a circuitous journey i started with piano lessons at the okay. age of six mm -hmm. that was kind of my first introduction to lessons okay. um but even before that my parents are really avid um arts appreciators they're not in the arts themselves for career or work um, but my dad always had a really extensive CD and vinyl collection at home. Okay. Um, and they would take us to museums and see concerts and go to festivals and things like that as kids, my brother and sister and I. Um, so I think I was exposed to a lot of music when I was little, even though I didn't really think about it so much. And I used to remember loving to pull CDs and albums off the <laughs> shelves at home and just yeah. look at the covers. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then at the age of six, I kind of following in the footsteps of my brother and sister, who are both older than me, mm -hmm. um, my parents enrolled me in piano lessons. Um, and there was a local teacher just around the corner from our house at the time. Um, and I started taking lessons. And then it wasn't until age um, 12 where I started band class, which a lot of people do in yeah. uh, Ontario. Um, and I was fortunate to attend an art school. So from grades um, four to eight, which is like ages nine to 14. Okay. Um, I attended a school that was half of the day was academics and the other half was a mix of music and visual arts, dancing nice. and drama classes. Nice. Yeah. So then part of that was the band program. And that's when I started playing clarinet for a year. Okay. Um, and I think 
the sax one for me, I think there was something about it. I mean, I saw a lot of the cool kids playing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was also the fact that there was um, the band teacher at the program at the time happened to be a woman who played saxophone. Amazing. She was really, really energetic um, and kind of also was like an additional element that kind of captivated me and drew me towards the instrument. Yeah. So even when I was handed the clarinet, I kind of already knew I wanted to play saxophone for a long right, time. I right, think right. as early as age nine, I kind of knew even before the band class started. Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're kind of like a confluence of, of influences for me, right, but uh, right. just like there was an aura about it. I think that really drew me to it. Wow. And so you began playing, you went through art school and at what point did you discover uh, jazz or the music that, 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 that you really love doing right now? I mean, jazz, I, I discovered, I think I remember as early as age six. So okay. probably around the time I was playing uh, piano or just starting to play piano. Um, so part of my dad's vinyl collection was like, he had a lot of opera and world music and then also a lot of jazz. Okay. So I think I knew that I liked the sound of jazz even before I started playing saxophone. Okay. And then I later realized that saxophone was part of that heritage of, right. of the genre. So um, some sounds that were really compelling to me would have been like the Nat King Cole trio. I, I mm. remember hearing that at a very young age. Um, and then the music of Ella Fitzgerald and becoming familiar with her scatting and then as well as Louis Armstrong. That was really right. Um, right some earlier examples of jazz, even before I heard the saxophone, I was aware of those groups. Mm -hmm. And I knew I liked the sound of that. There was something about it that was very, um, yeah, captivating to me. Great. And, and was there a defining moment for you where you said, you know what, I want to be a musician. I want to pursue having a career in, in music or at least pursue the saxophone seriously. Yeah, I, I really don't think I had... Um, like an epiphany to, to that I, when I realized that I wanted to pursue a career in music, I, I don't think it happened for me like it does for a lot of our peers. Mm -hmm. So it took me a very, very long time. Um, when I was enrolling for college, I was really intending to do um, a science-based degree okay. and wasn't intending to pursue music at all. Mm -hmm. um, so my intention to do a music program, I mean, I, I knew I really liked playing saxophone and I think Part of my motivation to start a college level program was just to do it for a year because I wanted to learn more about it and learn how to improvise better and learn mm -hmm. more theory and um, the mechanics of how jazz works. Yeah. Um, but there was really no intention to, to pursue a career in music. And even after graduation, I really wasn't sure as to what I was going to do professionally. Wow. <laughs> um, I was fortunate enough to live at home for many years, mm -hmm. which kind of bought me some time um, I mean, I was still working at the time, but I didn't have the pressure uh, to support myself living in an apartment and things right. like that. So I was really fortunate to have parents that were supportive and let me kind of explore what I wanted to do in music if I were to take it seriously. Mm. Um, but to learn the saxophone, I mean, I think, again, I think it happened earlier, probably in my um, elementary school years when I attended this art school. Mm -hmm. Those years were very formative for me to kind of developed a passion about the saxophone. Okay. And I think then I decided that I really loved it, not really knowing where it would take me quite yet at that point, but right. um, it's probably around that time that I decided I was really committed to learning the saxophone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so 
you said something that was really interesting. You said, so after you graduated, you were still living at home, but you were working. And I know a lot of people, um, a lot of my peers, including myself, at some point had to do work outside of music. Were you working outside of music? Like no, not that time. I was teaching privately. Okay, right. So I was just doing a lot of odd jobs, subbing for friends, mm -hmm. trying to get some students. So yeah. it was music related. Right. Um, doing some tutoring and, and music theory. So I kind of kept it within right. what I thought I wanted to do, but I just wasn't sure. So I think I kind of had one foot in music and then one foot thinking that I might actually abandon it completely. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so I was kind yeah. of trying to diversify within music a little bit. <laughs> So how did you balance um, your teaching and having to do uh, the jobbing sort of thing with being creative and writing music and carving out the, the sound for your, yourself and your band that, that you have? Because that, that takes a considerable amount of conception and then work to actually execute it and keep a band together as well. Yeah, that's a great question. Um... I think it was a lot of trial and error, to be honest. I knew upon graduation from uh, the college program I did, I wanted to start my own band. Um, right. That was like a very, very strong element for me. And I had a really positive experience in college, but I wasn't um, like a prodigy kind of musician at school. I was very, really like an average inexperienced player coming in. Um, and I was very inspired by the peers who I was surrounded by uh, and the level of playing they came in with and, and the experience of performance that a lot of my friends had had. And I really didn't come into the college program with that kind of playing um, or playing experience rather. Yeah. Um, so I felt that a lot of like kind of um, the coveted opportunities that I think a lot of students get at school, I was never um, handed those types mm. of opportunities. So the motivation to start my band was to carve out an experience um, performance-wise, playing-wise, creating a platform for myself to write music for yeah. that I didn't get in school. And again, not coming from a, a negative place at all. I think it was no, I a, um, coming from a place of like wanting to, to do more with it. Mm -hmm. I was kind of, I left school thinking like, what else can I do? Because right. I right, right. didn't think I got enough or I just wanted to create that for myself in some way mm -hmm. or simulate that. Yeah. Um, so that's really where the, the seeds of forming my band came from, was to create an opportunity for myself that I didn't have um, yeah. coming out of school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, upon graduation, I mean, I wasn't one of those musicians that people asked to play. I really had to create that for myself as well. So um, I think something to share with listeners who may be listening right now is just if you feel like things are not um, being handed to you, which I think is common for a lot of people yeah. find a way to create it for yourself because um, that's totally um, a mantra and something that I can say from experience yeah. has worked for me in a way that you can really weave your own web in that way um, yeah. and create a platform for yourself um, that will lead to other opportunities down the road so that's yeah. really how the band started for me and juggling that with teaching I mean I just made sure that I had time to allocate um, every week to write a little bit, to rehearse with the band, the guys that I wanted to play with. Mm -hmm. um, and the first few years coming out of school, I mean, I was just sessioning a lot with people. I wasn't necessarily um, building my band quite yet. I think right. I was starting to formulate, you know, ideas as to what I liked in different musicians and elements mm -hmm. of their playing that I wanted to bounce ideas off of. And that's kind of how I found 
um, the musicians uh, for the project that I ended up taking more seriously. Great. Did you did you actually schedule that time in to into your week, or was it kind of like you just you just had uh, a pattern of getting together with musicians, so it just kind of happened? I think yeah. I think it was a bit more organic. Um, yeah. I mean, now I'm very intentional about how I work, yeah. but I think uh, those earlier's I wasn't. Um, yeah. And actually, one crystallizing experience for me is right after graduation, I did a cruise ship contract, okay. which at that time, when I was in school, a lot of students were doing that in the summer months to just kind of make some more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have the opportunity to do it between my school years. So I did it like for five months right after graduation. Right. So right after my fourth year of college. Yeah. Um, and that for me was a very concrete work experience. Um, involving music that certainly was not the most creative Mm -hmm. uh, but I think exposed me to the realities of when music can really feel like a job job and when you're really having to fulfill a certain task a certain role yeah um, and you're required in only a very very specific and narrow capacity of your um, capabilities yeah Um, and I also I think part of that experience was that I was away from my community of peers right so in those five months, I think that's when I really decided um, more than ever that I was really determined to start my own band. Um, and sometimes experiences like that, they're not always the most positive because they right. don't always, um, what's the word? Like you may not always enjoy it, but I think yeah. on the flip side, it um, is a very reaffirming um, experience because it reminds you about what you actually want to do creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps if I had any like crystallizing moment, it was probably during my time doing a contract like that for five months. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. And I think the advice that you gave um, just you know, about, you know, if you, if you went through a degree program and you, you probably wasn't one of the top players and you were struggling, it's not the end. You know, it's not the end. I've heard that so many times um, from people like yourself or people like, even professors of, of mine, when I was at Humber, there were a couple of them that, took, that said, you know, I wasn't one of the star musicians when I was at this program. But when I graduated, I worked hard. And then they, they were able to see some measure of success from that work that, that they put in. So I think that's important. And the reality is that in the industry, there isn't as much work as there was 20 years ago. You know, so there's a, a small uh, percentage of people um, that's going to get some of the top opportunities. So um, it, it, I really believe, uh, and I agree, it's imperative for musicians, aspiring um, professional saxophonists to try to have a vision for themselves while navigating mm-hmm. life and, mm-hmm. and create, carve out those opportunities for themselves. I totally agree. So from, from that point, You've graduated, you've, you've put your band together, you've begun writing. What are you in pursuit of? Because you said you, there wasn't a clear moment for you where you said, okay, I'm going to pursue a career in music. But there was something mm-hmm. that kept you going, one. And then two, it's, you seem to be committed to the process in some way. You know? So what, what have you been in pursuit of and what are you currently in pursuit of? I think that's a great question. Um, I think um, earlier when I was just starting out with my ensemble and just kind of formulating ideas as to what I wanted to do with a band, uh, 
Um, I mean, my main goal was quite concrete. I just wanted to write music okay. um, and as many tunes as I could. So at that point, it was like quantity over quality. Mm, um, just develop the so skill. I do remember at some point, yeah, I just tried to set the goal. Like, okay, I'm going to try to write 10 songs or a bigger goal is like, can I write uh, 30 songs? Mm -hmm. how, many, how many songs can I write? Because I think through that process and when I, what I've read from some of my idols, a lot of it is just doing. And not every song is going to be great, but you mm -hmm. just have to like write because you're going to get there at some point. You just have to try to keep exercising that muscle. Yeah. So I think early on, I just tried to write music uh, and then try to bring it into the ensemble, play it. We ended up vetoing a lot of music. Like there's a lot of music I have written that I still have charts for that we never ended up developing or playing further. We would have played it for maybe a few gigs and then that was it. Like it right. kind of just went out the door. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, that writing music and also just cultivating an attitude, I think at that time of being open. So the musicians that I chose to work with, I really try to exercise um, an openness and I really try to detach myself from the music that I write too, if that makes any sense. Because oftentimes we get so attached. You know, we have to think of like the process of practicing and writing music is so solitary that we can get really inside our own head and um, get really attached to it in a way that when you bring it to other people to play yeah. in an improvising context, like so much of jazz is, mm -hmm. um, we really have to be open to other Absolutely. types of feedback and, and criticism, constructive mm -hmm. criticism. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too negative. Yeah. Um, but allowing your band members to imbue in the music what they think they hear as well and being yeah. open to that. Yeah, um, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, so so much of our creative process, like, I mean, I am the sole contributor for the, the repertoire in my ensemble, but mm -hmm. I really don't feel like it's my project. I mean, obviously, it's under my name, yeah. but the guys and we come together, like, once we have a, a group meeting or a group session, mm -hmm. it's like, I really try to detach myself from the music yeah. um, and let them, like, literally rip it apart yeah. because we end up changing a lot of stuff um, on the feedback that I get from the yeah. guys. Um, so I think at that time, like early on, trying to write music and then just trying to find a way to commit to the writing process and yeah. then detach myself from the rehearsal process. Mm. Um, right. And that's something that we take very seriously in my ensemble is that if, this, if a song doesn't work, we don't play it. And I, for me as the writer, I think I've really tried to get better at like not caring. Mm. Um, and I think that's something like I, I want to say that because it's something that I think is challenging and early on um, a little bit hard in a way like, oh, I really like that song. I thought it was going to work. But I think the more you can let go and this is for anybody, like the more you can let go of the music, I think the better the music gets, which is really it's almost like um, on the contrary, like you don't don't think that would work in that way. Um, but it's almost like the less you care in the rehearsal process, the better the, the music is going to be. Right. At least that's I, been my experience. No, I, it's been my experience too. I think it's something that I had to learn. I remember when I just started um, yeah. writing and putting a band together, I had a really clear idea of what I wanted to sound like. And if the guys didn't do that, I would kind of get uptight about it. Yeah. And over the last couple of years um, of working with my current band um, and having the opportunity to play the music like over a two-year period, Mm -hmm. The music has changed and evolved from their input. And that's where the music really lives and breathes. 
and 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 I think you yeah. know you mentioned sort of like taking the process of putting your band together slowly and just trying out different people and seeing what they bring. I think that's a really important um, part of the process of putting a band together because yeah. everybody has their thing. And I think the, the ideal situation would be uh, putting a band together of people that where you, where you allow them to be fully themselves and yes. contribute to the music. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. While, while serving the music, but everybody has the opportunity to be in their element. So, um, and, and, and as, a, as a band leader and a composer, you have to be open, open to allow them to do that. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Absolutely. And <laughs> finding really people good. that you really creatively trust. Because I yeah. think if you surround yourself with those people, um, when you bring music in, which is really like, for me, feels like my babies, you know, like it feels like it's coming from you and it, you're, um, it's a fragile thing to some extent. But when you bring it to people you really trust creatively, there can be no wrong in that sense. So I think it's really important when you're finding people that you really resonate with musically and you want them to be part of your band or ensemble, whatever, um, surrounding yourself with those people so that you know you can trust your music with them and if they have a suggestion like go with it because it might take you to places you might not otherwise have imagined and I think that's slowly what I started to find is that when I entrusted them even more each yeah. time the music goes places you can't fathom and I think that's a really good thing because you want those people to stretch you and challenge you amazing what what are some of the things um that you value in some of your saxophone heroes oh, that's so hard because i think there's so many things that are um subjective obviously and everybody okay. hears different things that they resonate with in different players mm -hmm. um for me i'm sure it's a lot of the same things that so many people look for i mean i i i'm listening for sound and facility of technique um and i think i mean those are kind of like the nuts and bolts things that i always yeah. listen for um but i think on a broader scale i'm listening for originality um, I love really playful musicians that mm. um, can take a theme and like morph it 500 different ways in their improvisations. Yeah. Um, and of course, as a composer myself, I love listening to really creatively written music mm -hmm. um, and melodic ideas that are new to me and kind of take me on an adventure. So I tend to gravitate. I mean, some of the saxophone players that I love are also really avid composers themselves. And some people that come to mind are like Wayne Shorter, who's been a mm. really huge influence in my writing. Yeah. Um, and also just someone as like an, a role model of, as a saxophone player who also wrote very prolifically. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, kind of like yeah. some things that I listen for. Cool, cool. And through all this conversation, we've mentioned composition a couple of times, and that seems to be a huge part of, of your process um, of how basically how you've continued to keep taking ground in your career and your creative journey. Um, and so I'd like us to talk about your process um, of composition and um, how you conceptualize a song and how you, you, you might go about making it a reality. Just kind of just talking about um, that process a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I can kind of um, 
introduce this idea by saying that I had a very wonderful teacher and mentor when I was in college who was very encouraging of me writing music and arranging my own music and mm -hmm. really um, accepting and embracing the idea of doing things on your own, like try to do it yourself because yeah. then you create your own world and your own yep. musical realm. Mm -hmm. um, but he really strongly encouraged me to write my own music specifically and I think at that time he was really kind of saying it from a place of don't worry about having to pay rights uh, or royalty rights to record covers or mm -hmm, other jazz mm -hmm. standards, which I hold very dear to my heart as well. I love playing jazz standards. Yeah. Um, but he was really encouraging me to write my own music so I don't have to worry about paying royalties and you know licensing fees and all that stuff yeah. if I were to record that music. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was coming from kind of a more technical place, but that really stuck with me. Um, and I think at a early point, like when I was still in college, I kind of had in the back of my mind, okay, just write your own music. Yeah. Um, so that was part of why I started writing uh, and took it a lot more seriously after graduation. Okay. Um, but so for the writing process now, um, and early on when I started, I think I just started small. And I think for anyone who feels overwhelmed by writing their own music or not sure where to start, there's nowhere to start. I mean, every time, even now, I've written quite a bit of music now, but I feel mm -hmm. like every time I start, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I think it's one of those things that never really leaves like that element of feeling unsure as how to start. I think that's constant. And I've heard that too with people who write books and poetry and uh, literary writers. I think they find the same thing. You just have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, so usually now what my process includes is starting with a very short idea. Okay. Um, and I do have a book of manuscript. I have several books of manuscript, mm -hmm. um, but I'll start with a two bar phrase. It might be a baseline. It might just be a melody, something that I find compelling, mm -hmm. but it's really short. Um, and I'll just write that idea down really quickly when I think of it, or if I'm sitting at the piano and noodling around. Um, and then I might leave it and I might just flip the page and write a different idea or, you know, I have a book of different ideas and then I might come back to those ideas later and then see if I can develop it. Or perhaps if it's like in the example of a melody, I might just try to find a bass counterpart. Awesome. So keeping things really simple, mm -hmm. I think actually, um, entails a lot because you can take things quite far if you just think of it in a simple way. Right. Um, so part of its mindset and just being open to hearing different sounds using a very simple cell of an idea. Maybe right. it's a rhythm that really inspires you. Um, so write it out or record yourself and see if you can start layering ideas on top. So um, that's kind of how my ideas stem is just one thing. And then I put something else on top. Right. And that if that inspires a new section, I'll write that. Or maybe I might just keep layering. Sometimes mm -hmm. I have ideas for vamps and I'll just write a melody or two or three on top and seeing which one works. Or maybe I end up using that later in the process by distributing those parts uh, amongst the instruments later. So trying to keep an open mind as to how the mechanics might work and not being too, too particular, Amazing. I think really helps. Would you mind taking us through that process right now? And Absolutely. Just awesome. So let's, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 